Chapter Nine of the Life and Adventures of Sir Launcelot Greaves. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Life and Adventures of Sir Launcelot Greaves by Tobias Smollett. Chapter Nine which may serve to show that true patriotism is of no party the knight had not enjoyed his repose above two hours when he was disturbed by such a variety of noises as might have discomposed a brain of the firmest texture the rumbling of carriages and the rattling of horses feet on the pavement was intermingled with loud shouts and the noise of fiddle french horn and bagpipe a loud peal was heard ringing in the church tower at some distance while the inn resounded with clamour confusion and uproar sir launcelot being thus alarmed started from his bed and running to the window beheld a cavalcade of persons well mounted and distinguished by blue cockades they were generally attired like jockeys with gold-laced hats and buckskin breeches and one of them bore a standard of blue silk inscribed in white letters liberty and the landed interest he who rode at their head was a jolly figure of a florid complexion and round belly seemingly turned of fifty and in all appearance of a choleric disposition as they approached the market-place they waved their hats huzzahed and cried aloud no foreign connections old england for ever this acclamation however was not so loud or universal but that our adventurer could distinctly hear a counter-cry from the populace of no slavery no popish pretender an insinuation so ill relished by the cavaliers that they began to ply their horsewhips among the multitude and were in their turn saluted with a discharge or volley of stones dirt and dead cats in consequence of which some teeth were demolished and many surtouts defiled our adventurer's attention was soon called off from this scene to contemplate another procession of people on foot adorned with bunches of orange ribbons attended by a regular band of music playing god save great george our king and headed by a thin swarthy personage of a sallow aspect and large goggling eyes arched over with two thick semicircles of hair or rather bristles jet black and frowsy his apparel was very gorgeous though his address was very awkward he was accompanied by the mayor recorder and heads of the corporation in their formalities his ensigns were known by the inscription liberty of conscience and the protestant succession and the people saluted him as he passed with repeated cheers that seemed to prognosticate success he had particularly ingratiated himself with the good women who lined the street and sent forth many ejaculatory petitions in his favour sir launcelot immediately comprehended the meaning of this solemnity he perceived it was the prelude to the election of a member to represent the county in parliament and he was seized with an eager desire to know the names and characters of the competitors in order to gratify this desire he made repeated application to the bell-rope that depended from the ceiling of his apartment but this produced nothing except the repetition of the words coming sir which echoed from three or four different corners of the house 
the waiters were so distracted by a variety of calls that they stood motionless in the state of the schoolman's ass between two bundles of hay incapable of determining where they should first offer their attendance our knight's patience was almost exhausted when crabshaw entered the room in a very strange equipage one half of his face appeared close-shaved and the other covered with lather while the blood trickled in two rivulets from his nose upon a barber's cloth that was tucked under his chin he looked grim with indignation and under his left arm carried his cutlass unsheathed where he had acquired so much of the profession of knight-errantry we shall not pretend to determine but certain it is he fell on his knees before sir launcelot crying with an accent of grief and distraction in the name of st george for england i beg a boon sir knight and thy compliance i demand before the peacock and the ladies sir launcelot astonished at this address replied in a lofty strain valiant squire thy boon is granted provided it doth not contravene the laws of the land and the constitution of chivalry then i crave leave answered crabshaw to challenge and defy to mortal combat that caitiff barber who hath left me in this piteous condition and i vow by the peacock that i will not shave my beard until i have shaved his head from his shoulders so may i thrive in the occupation of an errant squire before his master had time to inquire into particulars they were joined by a decent man in boots who was likewise a traveller and had seen the rise and progress of timothy's disaster he gave the knight to understand that crabshaw had sent for a barber and already undergone one half of the operation when the operator received the long-expected message from both the gentlemen who stood candidates at the election the double summons was no sooner intimated to him than he threw down his basin and retired with precipitation leaving the squire in the suds timothy incensed at this desertion followed him with equal celerity into the street where he collared the shaver and insisted upon being entirely trimmed on pain of the bastinado the other finding himself thus arrested and having no time to spare for altercation lifted up his fist and discharged it upon the snout of crabshaw with such force that the unfortunate aggressor was fain to bite the ground while the victor hastened away in hope of touching the double wages of corruption the knight being informed of these circumstances told timothy with a smile that he should have liberty to defy the barber but in the meantime he ordered him to saddle bronzomart and prepare for immediate service while the squire was thus employed his master engaged in conversation with the stranger who happened to be a london dealer travelling for orders and was well acquainted with the particulars which our adventurer wanted to know it was from this communicative tradesman he learned that the competitors were sir valentine quickset and mr isaac vanderpelft the first a mere fox-hunter who depended for success in his election upon his interest among the high-flying gentry 
the other a stock-jobber and contractor of foreign extract not without a mixture of hebrew blood immensely rich who was countenanced by his grace of blank and supposed to have distributed large sums in securing a majority of votes among the yeomanry of the county possessed of small freeholds and copyholders a great number of which last resided in this borough he said these were generally dissenters and weavers and that the mayor who was himself a manufacturer had received a very considerable order for exportation in consequence of which it was believed he would support mr van der pelft with all his influence and credit sir launcelot roused at this intelligence called for his armour which being buckled on in a hurry he mounted his steed attended by crabshaw on gilbert and rode immediately into the midst of the multitude by which the hustings were surrounded just as sir valentine quickset began to harangue the people from an occasional theatre formed of a plank supported by the upper board of the public stocks and an inferior rib of a wooden cage pitched also for the accommodation of petty delinquents though the singular appearance of sir launcelot at first attracted the eyes of all the spectators yet they did not fail to yield attention to the speech of his brother knight sir valentine which ran in the following strain gentlemen vree holders of this here county i shan't pretend to meek a vine flourishing speech i'm a plain-spoken man as you all know i hope i shall always speak my mind without veer or vaver as the zaying is tis the way of the quicksets we are no upstarts nor vorners have we any jewish blood in our veins we have lived in this here neighbourhood time out of mind as you all know and possess an estate of five thousand clear which we spend at wom among you in old english hospitality all my vorefathers have been parliament men and i can prove that ne'er a one of em gave a zingle vote for the court since the revolution for my own peart i value not the ministry three skips of a louse as the zaying is i ne'er knew but one minister that was an honest man and for all the rest i care not if they were hanged as high as haman with a pox to un i am thank god of reborn true-hearted englishmen and a loyal thof unworthy son of the church for all they have done for hey or i'd vain know what they have done for the church with a vengeance for my own piart i hate all foreigners and foreign measures whereby this poor nation is broken backed with a dismal load of debt and the taxes rise so high that the poor cannot get bread gentlemen vree holders of this county i value no ministers of big zen do you see if you will favour me with your votes and interest whereby i may be returned i'll engage one half of my estate that i never cry yea to your shillings in the pound but will cross the ministry and everything as in duty bound and as becomes an honest vree holder in the old interest but if you sell your votes in your country for hire you will be detested in this here world and damned in the next to all eternity so i leave every man to his own conscience this eloquent oration was received by his own friends with loud peals of applause which however did not discourage his competitor who confident of his own strength ascended the rostrum or in other words an old cask set upright for the purpose having bowed all round to the audience with a smile of gentle condescension he told them how ambitious he was of the honour to represent this county in parliament 
and how happy he found himself in the encouragement of his friends who had so unanimously agreed to support his pretensions he said over and above the qualifications he possessed among them he had fourscore thousand pounds in his pocket which he had acquired by commerce the support of the nation under the present happy establishment in defence of which he was ready to spend the last farthing he owned himself a faithful subject to his majesty king george sincerely attached to the protestant succession in detestation and defiance of a popish and abjured and outlawed pretender and declared that he would exhaust his substance and his blood if necessary in maintaining the principles of the glorious revolution this cried he is the solid basis and foundation upon which i stand these last words had scarce proceeded from his mouth when the head of the barrel or puncheon on which he stood being frail and infirm gave way so that down he went with a crash and in a twinkling disappeared from the eyes of the astonished beholders the fox-hunters perceiving his disaster exclaimed in the phrase and accent of the chase stole away stole away and with hideous vociferation joined in the sylvan chorus which the hunters halloo when the hounds are at fault the disaster of mr vanderpelft was soon repaired by the assiduity of his friends who disengaged him from the barrel in a trice hoisted him on the shoulders of four strong weavers and resenting the unmannerly exultation of their antagonists began to form themselves in order of battle an obstinate fray would have undoubtedly ensued had not their mutual indignation given way to their curiosity at the motion of our knight who had advanced into the middle between the two fronts and waving his hand as a signal for them to give attention addressed himself to them with graceful demeanour in these words countrymen friends and fellow-citizens you are this day assembled to determine a point of the utmost consequence to yourselves and your posterity a point that ought to be determined by far other weapons than brutal force and factious clamour you the freemen of england are the basis of that excellent constitution which hath long flourished the object of envy and admiration to you belongs the inestimable privilege of choosing a delegate properly qualified to represent you in the high court of parliament this is your birthright inherited from your ancestors obtained by their courage and sealed with their blood it is not only your birthright which you should maintain in defiance of all danger but also a sacred trust to be executed with the most scrupulous care and fidelity the person whom you trust ought not only to be endued with the most inflexible integrity but should likewise possess a fund of knowledge that may enable him to act as a part of the legislature he must be well acquainted with the history the constitution and the laws of his country he must understand the forms of business the extent of the royal prerogative the privilege of parliament the detail of government the nature and regulation of the finances the different branches of commerce the politics that prevail and the connections that subsist among the different powers of europe for on all these subjects the deliberations of a house of commons occasionally turn but these great purposes will never be answered by electing an illiterate savage scarce qualified in point of understanding to act as a country justice of peace a man who has scarce ever travelled beyond the excursion of a fox-chase whose conversation never rambles farther than his stable his kennel and the barnyard who rejects decorum as degeneracy mistakes rusticity for independence ascertains his courage by leaping over gates and ditches and founds his triumph on 
on feats of drinking who holds his estate by a factious tenure professes himself the blind slave of a party without knowing the principles that gave it birth or the motives by which it is actuated and thinks that all patriotism consists in railing indiscriminately at ministers and obstinately opposing every measure of the administration such a man with no evil intentions of his own might be used as a dangerous tool in the hands of a desperate faction by scattering the seeds of disaffection embarrassing the wheels of government and reducing the whole kingdom to anarchy here the night was interrupted by the shouts and acclamations of the van der pelfites who cried aloud hear him hear him long life to the iron-cased orator this clamour subsiding he prosecuted his harangue to the following effect such a man as i have described may be dangerous from ignorance but is neither so mischievous nor so detestable as the wretch who knowingly betrays his trust and sues to be the hireling and prostitute of a weak and worthless minister a sordid knave without honour or principle who belongs to no family whose example can reproach him with degeneracy who has no country to command his respect no friend to engage his affection no religion to regulate his morals no conscience to restrain his iniquity and who worships no god but mammon an insinuating miscreant who undertakes for the dirtiest work of the vilest administration who practises national usury receiving by wholesale the rewards of venality and distributing the wages of corruption by retail in this place our adventurous speech was drowned in the acclamations of the fox-hunters who now triumphed in their turn and hoixed the speaker exclaiming well open jowler tuin tuin again sweet lips eh merry whitefoot after a short interruption he thus resumed his discourse when such a caitiff presents himself to you like the devil with a temptation in his hand avoid him as if he were in fact the devil it is not the offering of disinterested love for what should induce him who has no affections to love you to whose persons he is an utter stranger alas it is not a benevolence but a bribe he wants to buy you at one market that he may sell you at another without doubt his intention is to make an advantage of his purchase and this aim he cannot accomplish but by sacrificing in some sort your interest your independency to the wicked designs of a minister as he can expect no gratification for the faithful discharge of his duty but even if he should not find an opportunity of selling you to advantage the crime the shame the infamy will still be the same in you who baser than the most abandoned prostitutes have sold yourselves and your posterity for hire for a paltry price to be refunded with interest by some minister who will indemnify himself out of your own pockets for after all you are bought and sold with your own money the miserable pittance you may now receive is no more than a pitcher full of water thrown in to moisten the sucker of that pump which will drain you to the bottom let me therefore advise and exhort you my countrymen to avoid the opposite extremes of the ignorant clown and the designing courtier and choose a man of honesty intelligence and moderation who will the doctrine of moderation was a very unpopular subject in such an assembly and accordingly they rejected it as one man they began to think the stranger wanted to set up for himself a supposition that could not fail to incense both sides equally as they were both zealously engaged in their respective causes the whigs and the tories joined against this intruder who being neither was treated like a monster or chimera in politics 
they hissed they hooted and they hallooed they annoyed him with missiles of dirt sticks and stones they cursed they threatened and reviled till at length his patience was exhausted ungrateful and abandoned miscreants he cried i spoke to you as men and christians as free-born britons and fellow-citizens but i perceive you are a pack of venal infamous scoundrels and i will treat you accordingly so saying he brandished his lance and riding into the thickest of the concourse laid about him with such dexterity and effect that the multitude was immediately dispersed and he retired without further molestation the same good fortune did not attend squire crabshaw in his retreat the ludicrous singularity of his features and the half-mown crop of hair that bristled from one side of his countenance invited some wags to make merry at his expense one of them clapped a furze bush under the tail of gilbert who feeling himself thus stimulated a posteriori kicked and plunged and capered in such a manner that timothy could hardly keep the saddle in this commotion he lost his cap and his periwig while the rabble pelted him in such a manner that before he could join his master he looked like a pillar or rather a pillory of mud End of chapter nine